is the Sideline Dissonant Podcast coming to you from YouTube and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker coming to you audio only today. Lots to talk about. Uh, Warriors blew out the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. A bit of a kerfuffle at one point between LeBron James and Draymond Green. I will address that controversy, which really isn't much of a controversy, but we know what the NBA media is like. Loves complaining about flopping and flagrant fouls. You know, it's as if no NBA beat writer has even watched an NBA game from the 90s or early 2000s when the game was much more physical. Let's stop freaking out about the floppings and the flagrants. Just let them play. Uh, but I'll talk about that in uh, just a moment. But first, uh, this is my first podcast since the uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs. A couple great games on Sunday night. Uh, obviously, the game of the weekend was Dallas-Green Bay. Uh, it was one of those games where the team with the ball last was going to win the game. Similar to uh, Clemson-Alabama a week before. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better football game. It's a shame the Cowboys had to go against Aaron Rodgers, especially the way Green Bay's playing right now. Uh, but, you know, no no excuses. They lost the game. You can't blame it on Dak Prescott. Uh, he played as well as you could ever expect a rookie quarterback to perform in his first career playoff game. Zeke had a great game. The O-line looked great. Uh, it was just two weak defenses going up against each other and one sensational quarterback who... You know, if he does, if he is able to win in Atlanta on Sunday and is able to achieve his second Super Bowl, you could certainly put Aaron Rodgers in the conversation of who is the greatest quarterback of all time. I think it's definitely a viable argument if he is able to win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, You know, I would disagree. We all know who I lean toward in that uh, argument, but certainly... Rodgers is playing the best football of his career right now, and if he's able to win a Super Bowl with that defense, the Packers are on like their fifth, sixth, or seventh string cornerback at this point. They have no defensive backs. Uh, it would be incredible if Rodgers is able to carry uh, his team to the Super Bowl, and he's going to have to win two more shootouts in all likelihood if that were to happen. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City uh, it was another close one, but... Uh, not a very exciting game unless you're really into field goals. Uh, but Kansas City just did not show up to play. Uh, as I've said in the past, I think Andy Reid is one of the best game planners in the NFL, but he's not a great game manager. And that showed, and Mike Tomlin is the opposite. And uh, Pittsburgh outplayed Kansas City all game. And, I, you know, I think Pittsburgh should have won that game by more. Clearly, Kansas. it's a testament to Kansas City's defense. Uh, they gave up a lot of big plays, but they didn't really give up any big plays in the red zone or anything like that. Uh, so, Pittsburgh got lucky. Their defense really stepped up against Kansas City. Alex Smith did not have a great game, and uh, Pittsburgh's defense stepped up the way they should. Uh, and the other games, the two games on Saturday, as I predicted, uh, Atlanta was too much for Seattle. Seattle's offensive line, underpaid, too young, and this year the team with the best offensive line seems to win. And, you know, certainly Dallas had a better offensive line than Green Bay did, but it isn't isn't that big of a disparity. Green Bay's O-line 
buys more time for their quarterback than I think any O-line in the league, and Aaron Rodgers has benefited from that and his ability to extend plays, roll out of the pocket, throw on the run really works well with Green Bay's offensive line, and they've had that same system in place for uh, five to six years now with a great, uh, not the best run offensive line, but certainly a great online and buying time for their quarterback, which is exactly what you need with someone like Aaron Rodgers out there. But Seattle just doesn't prioritize their O-line. They don't spend the money, and I think they're going to learn this offseason. They're going to have to give up some pieces on defense and really invest in that O-line, especially with a mobile quarterback like Russell Wilson, who I feel bad for. You know, Similar to Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers, he just didn't have an O-line to work with. Uh, and then finally, New England, Houston, Patriots did not play well, uh, especially offensively in the first half, but you have to remember they were going up against a number one defense, and to all those out there, I'm a fan of the herd, I love Colin Coward, I listen to his show every day, uh, but those out there that are saying Brady's played two poor NFL playoff games in a row, so the Patriots should get rid of him. You have to remember those two playoff games were both against the number one defense in the league. And the Patriots were still able to score 30-plus points and cover the spread on Houston. Um, so like Dallas has been all season, uh, you know, it's unfortunate they ran into Green Bay while they were hot. But the Patriots, they don't make many mistakes. And when they do make mistakes, they're able to fix those mistakes, plug those holes, and in the second half they looked like a much better team and I would expect them to look significantly sharper this Sunday against Pittsburgh. Uh, so that's my quick recap of the divisional round, but I'm going to focus more on the potential Super Bowl matchups. Uh, with four teams left, there's four potential Super Bowl matchups, and they all are interesting storylines, and I think... What drives the popularity in in the NFL is quarterbacks. We all love running backs. We all love decent wide receivers. And, you know, a few... Generally, there'll be a linebacker or two that is so sensational. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, they'll steal the headlines. But for the most part, we focus on the quarterback position, as we should. Because the four teams left in the NFL playoffs are the teams with the best quarterbacks. All right? All the teams with the best quarterbacks have won, and it's that's just the way it works. We're down to Brady and Big Ben, the two best quarterbacks in the AFC. And then we're down to Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, statistically the two best quarterbacks in the NFC this season. I would argue that Russell Wilson might be better than Matt Ryan, but we know the pieces that Wilson has had to deal with offensively this season, and we know the kind of breakout year Matt Ryan has had, uh, but they're interchangeable, and if we're talking about this season alone, those are the two best quarterbacks in each conference. Uh, so that sets up for a great Super Bowl, uh, whatever the matchup is. We'll start with uh, the Steelers. Let's say the Steelers are able to win it, uh, on Sunday. They're going to Foxborough and upset. I think they're six-point underdogs. Uh, so, it would be a significant upset. Six points is a lot, uh, especially considering how well Pittsburgh has been playing and New England's performance against Houston. I don't think the Patriots will beat the Steelers if they play the way they did on Saturday night, although I could be wrong. Uh, but let's say the Pittsburgh Steelers win. If they're matched up against the Green Bay Packers, we got Big Ben against Aaron Rodgers again. Rodgers' only Super Bowl was won against Pittsburgh. So, 
Big Ben will have a chance to get his revenge and another Super Bowl under his belt. Uh, I think it's obvious that Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers are both Hall of Famers. Uh, but if Rodgers wins, he's in the conversation as the greatest com- uh, quarterback of all time. I'm not, I wouldn't give it to him if he gets his second Super Bowl. I think he probably needs a third. But I think he's the most talented quarterback of all time, certainly. And uh, as Tom Brady mentioned in an interview today, Rodgers does things at the quarterback position that nobody has ever done before. And his ability to improvise, extend plays has never been seen. He can throw to the left better than he can throw to the right on the run. He's efficient both directions. And, you know, that last play he made rolling out to get his team in field goal position with three seconds left on the clock shows you the kind of quarterback Rodgers is. So that would be an intriguing matchup. Uh, Two tremendous offenses, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, we know the pieces Pittsburgh has. Green Bay, on the other hand, we know what Aaron Rodgers is doing at this moment in time. He's got decent receivers, although they're not performing at their best as they have in the past, other than maybe Devontae Adams, who's having the best season of his career. Uh, but that would be an interesting matchup. So what if it's Pittsburgh and Atlanta? Now suddenly Matt Ryan is in the conversation. We're talking about Kyle Shanahan their offensive coordinator. Atlanta really does have a great coaching staff. They're they're almost entirely defensive-minded, with the exception of Kyle Shanahan, who has done amazing things with that offense. And, uh, look, I, I, Atlanta's not a great defense, but as we saw on Saturday against Seattle, they do have a pass rush. And certainly it's going to be more difficult for them to get to the quarterback with... Uh, with any offensive line that's not Seattle's, if it's uh, Pittsburgh, who has a great offensive line, if it's New England, who has a great offensive line, or or even this Sunday against Green Bay, another team that buys a lot of time for their quarterback. Uh, So their pass rush, uh, I'm not going out on a limb by saying it will not be as effective this Sunday as it was against Seattle, but it's still a solid pass rush nonetheless, and great coaching behind them. Atlanta-Pittsburgh would be interesting because Matt Ryan would put himself in the conversation as an elite quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm, I think he already is an elite quarterback, but he'll be up there as one of the best in the league if he's able to win a Super Bowl or even make a Super Bowl. So now looking the other end, if it's Patriots, Packers, uh, Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, suddenly we have who is the greatest quarterback of all time. If Brady is able to win another Super Bowl, he'll have more than Montana. He, he will have appeared... In, what, eight Super Bowls? What's Brady? Oh, he's 4-2. and two. He will have appeared in seven Super Bowls and have won five of them. I think it's obvious who the greatest quarterback of all time is. If Brady... I think he already is, but I am a Patriots fan. I'm a bit biased. But if Brady is able to get that fifth Super Bowl under his belt, it's obvious who the greatest quarterback of all time is. But if Aaron Rodgers who I think is the most talented quarterback of all time, if he is able to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and you know Rodgers probably will make it back at least once more in his career, so he could have a chance at a third. I don't know, you could argue. This wouldn't be my argument, but you certainly could argue he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I think that matchup between New England and Green Bay would certainly be the most intriguing because of the quarterback position. Uh, finally, New England and Atlanta. 
Uh, maybe not as sexy of a Super Bowl, but still you have Matt Ryan. He went to Boston College. Interesting headline there. Uh, he'll be appearing in his first Super Bowl, and yeah, it would probably be a shootout. Certainly would be. I think I think New England's O-line would be enough to handle Atlanta's pass rush, and but uh, the Falcons almost scored 100 more points offensively than the Patriots did this in the, in the regular season. So they can match New England offensively, even with all their great receivers, uh, minus Gronk. So uh, that would certainly, I think the final score in that game might be 60-50 to 50 if the Patriots beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. I think New England's defense isn't as great as we've made it out to be, simply because they don't have a great pass rush and they haven't faced many great quarterbacks this season. And when they did face Russell Wilson, he had a great game on the road in Foxborough in the regular season. Uh, But this weekend will be telling because, other than Wilson, the uh, Big Ben will be the best quarterback the Patriots have played all season. Remember, they were up against Landry Jones when they won on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, Steelers have fixed a lot of their issues. I don't like their defense. I think Brady will be able to really tear apart that defense. And remember, Houston, we're all talking about how Brady didn't have a great game on Sunday. Should the Patriots move on from him, especially if he loses to Pittsburgh? Maybe if he loses to Pittsburgh and it's bad, you think about Jimmy Garoppolo, but I expect Tom Brady to have a great game. He was going up against a number one defense, all right? And he he still almost beat the number one defense in the league last year, the Denver Broncos, who I think are light years ahead of Houston's defense, even even with the way they've been playing. And they still almost won the game. They were an extra point away from winning that game. You know, there was a miss by Goskowski, and that cost the Patriots the AFC Championship, ultimately, although Brady didn't really have a tremendous game. But he has a much better O-line in front of him, and it's a young O-line that I think is going to keep getting better in the next couple of seasons. He has a great running game. Uh, and obviously, the Patriots have a lot of depth at the receiver position, even with Gronk out. Uh, Floyd is a fine addition there, and I, I think he could make some big plays. So uh, those are the four potential Super Bowl matchups. As a Patriots fan, I'm rooting for them to make it. I think they would have a better chance against Atlanta than they would Green Bay, simply because I think Aaron Rodgers and the way that offensive is playing right now, uh, they they could match up with the Patriots' offense, but... Then again, Atlanta's offense outscored the Patriots by 90-plus points, I believe, this in the regular season. So, who knows what will happen there. Certainly uh, be an interesting matchup. State Warriors, uh, after four straight losses to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, three in the NBA Finals, obviously, and then uh, they lost a close one on Christmas Day. They finally got their revenge last night in a game that was over just a few minutes in. They blew out the Cleveland Cavaliers, and now everyone predicts the Warriors to win the NBA Finals. Let me push back on that just a little bit. (laughs) 
The Cleveland Cavaliers were on game number six of a six-game road trip. A report came out today saying they were considering resting their big three heading into Golden State. That would have pissed off a lot of people, certainly. Uh, but they looked like a team that was tired. And the Cavs, uh, they they haven't been playing their best basketball. Uh, they, they had a good turnaround game on Friday on the road in Sacramento, but we know the Cavs can beat the Kings. Uh, but before that, they lost two straight to the Utah Jazz. My opinion, the most underrated team in the NBA. And then they were blown out uh, by the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. Look, it's a long season in the NBA. And people have been critical of Cleveland all season long because LeBron will take a rest day or two every month on the road. And then fans who spend a lot of money to go to those games don't get to see LeBron. Sometimes they'll even rest all three. But we know the Cavaliers are going to be the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Even if they're not. If Toronto or Boston catches them, that it doesn't matter. Cleveland, I, I don't think they're going to lose to Toronto. I just don't. Uh, Toronto made it six games. At best, I think they can make it six games in the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland this year. Uh, I think I don't think Boston can match up with Cleveland very well. They still need another rebounder, and there just aren't enough rebounders out there that they could potentially trade for. Uh, so I think the Celtics are still another offseason away from really contending in the East. So the Cavs still own that conference, and they know that It's the games in May and June that win in the NBA. And I've said this time and time again, 82 games in hockey and the NBA is far too long, especially when considering you have a three-month playoff. And I just... Everyone's making a big deal about this loss. The Warriors turned things around. They won 126-91 to last night. But you have to remember... The Cavs were on Game 6 of a six-game road trip. And, no, I'm not making excuses. They did not play well last night. Uh, But they looked like a team that was tired. And a team that was playing their bench and conserving time on the floor for three big-name players. And, you know, the Warriors really wanted to win this one. And they came out with all the intensity in the world. And it wasn't a close game. They didn't... They... we, as we saw in the NBA Finals last year, when it's a close game, the Cavs seem to have the advantage because they're a more physical team, and the refs often let things go in the final minutes, especially in the postseason, and the more physical team has the advantage when that's the case. Uh, but something you have to remember, Golden State Warriors improved their strengths in the offseason but their weaknesses also got worse. They are they have less depth. They are a less physical team, which is the reason why they lost to the Cavs three straight at the end of the finals games 5, 6, and 7. And it's also the reason they were almost upset by the Oklahoma City Thunder last year, the more physical team. And if you're taking an NBA team and you're playing a seven-game series, that physicality is what's going to make the difference. 
And the Cavs just did not look physical last night. And it's understandable. Game six of a West Coast road trip, that's not a good time to play the best team in the Western Conference. And we know who the two teams are going to be in the finals this year. And that's why this NBA season is kind of disappointing. You know, it's the Houston Rockets have been surprising. James Harden has become a really great passer. And uh, I don't love the way Houston's offense is run. I don't really like that iso ball, which the Thunder also run on every single play. Uh, but they got some great three-point shooters and some solid rebounders. And Houston's been successful. We know Oklahoma City's a borderline playoff team. You can say Russell Westbrook doesn't have enough help, uh, but he had help there, and I think he turned Kevin Durant away because he holds the ball, he chews up the clock, and he gets assists by driving and dishing. That's not the sign of a great passer. Just because you drive and dish and rack up a lot of assists doesn't mean you're a great passer. Uh, But I'm not going to bitch about the Thunder and the Rockets. Neither of those teams are going to the finals. The Clippers have a shot, but I... It's doubtful. Really, the only contender in the Western Conference is the San Antonio Spurs. And they're perhaps more of a contender to Golden State than Boston and Toronto are to Cleveland in the East. Uh, Although Indiana's getting hot. And uh, Atlanta is, too. But we know who the final two teams are going to be. And remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I just made that up, by the way. 82 games is a long regular season, and the Cavs really aren't prioritizing the regular season, and I think that's smart. We're going to see some of the best basketball coming from them in April, May, and June, which is what you want for a championship team. Uh, Finally, LeBron and Draymond Green had... A bit of a, uh, well, how do I describe it? Basically, LeBron James was dribbling up the floor. Draymond Green had a hard foul on him. That was obviously a flagrant. I'm sorry, many are arguing it wasn't. It was a flagrant. Uh, in real time, it it looked like a borderline call, but once you see the slow-mo, it definitely was a flagrant foul. And then, of course, LeBron James went to the floor as if he had just been shot in the head. Now, uh, LeBron, he loves his flopping. He always has. I don't make as big of a deal as, with flopping as other other pundits do because if you're a competitor, you're going to try to do everything you possibly can to get your team to win. And if you're fouled or you think you're fouled or you're close to being fouled, you're going to be a bit melodramatic about it. That's just what happens. And LeBron is a great actor. He does. He often gets those calls and he knows it works. I'm not excusing him, but the idea that we need to penalize players for flopping in the NBA is silly. Have you ever watched a soccer game? That's silly, not the NBA, because these guys are actually getting hit. And yes, they tend to be a bit overdramatic about it all the time, but that's just the way the sport works. You have a bunch of competitors out there that want to get to the line, and they want to help their team win. Now, on the other end, Draymond Green... I don't think it's as big of a deal. He's a physical player. I Honestly, I've kind of changed my mind about the whole nutshot thing on Draymond Green. I think that's just the way he plays. I honestly think he's like one of those wacky-waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men that you see outside of car dealerships. He just, when he goes up for a layup, he thinks he gets fouled. He kind of flops his legs in the air, and uh, 
that <laughs> sometimes he kicks players in the nuts. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I think it's somewhere between intentional and unintentional. Uh, but that was a hard foul by Draymond last night. But you're going to have that between these two teams. And this is a rivalry, regardless of what LeBron says. Uh, it, was a, uh, it wasn't a great game. But I don't think the Cavs went into that game expecting to win. And look, this isn't the NFL. There isn't 16 games in the regular season where every week this is the most important game of the season. In the NBA, you have to rest your players. You have to prioritize other games over others, and, you know, if your your players are tired, you got to keep your eye on the prize, which are the games in April, May, and June, not a rivalry game against the Warriors in the middle of January, and I think, uh, you know, the Cavs didn't play well last night, the Warriors had all the energy in the world, they wanted to get revenge for, obviously, everything that's happened between those two teams over the last two years, but let's not make a big deal about this, uh, we'll be... We'll get to see who really is the better team in the NBA Finals. I'm sticking with my prediction, though. I think the Cavs are going to win in six. I think those two teams will make it to the Finals, and the Cavs will win it in six games because I think they're a more physical team. I think they've improved. Uh, they've improved by adding Kyle Korver, so their three-point shooting is better. By the end of the season, he'll be a much better fit in that system than he does now. As for the Warriors... Uh, they're a less physical team, they're less deep, they can shoot the three, but you keep them under that 37, 35% number, they're not going to win against a team as physical as the Cavaliers in the playoffs, where the refs let things go more than they do in the regular season. So that's it for today's podcast, uh, not a lot of notes, it was kind of a, a quick one, been, uh, accounting is hard by the way, if you, uh, I'm, I'm an MBA student, and I've started an accounting course, and I am committing a lot of time to this class because I really want to learn how to do it because my ultimate goal in life is to be an accountant. Not, but, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit stretched uh, with time this week, but uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to be previewing uh, in the next few days. I'll be previewing both conference championship games, uh, Pittsburgh, New England, and, of course, Atlanta, Green Bay. I'll be giving my predictions, and I'll be talking about how each team matches up to the other. No no great defense is left in the NFL this year, by the way, I notice. Uh, I think the Patriots, uh, a, t- a defense that's probably overvalued because they haven't faced many great quarterbacks, they're probably the best defense left, but still nothing great. Uh, but I'll give those previews the rest of the week. Until then, I bid you adieu.